As the annual coaching carousel continues to spin, it looks like it's about to take a stop in Seattle. Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking down some potential coaching staff losses for the Seahawks on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Glad to be joined for our Tuesday episode by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. The Senior Bowl officially underway in Mobile, their first practice today. They got their weigh-ins, all the measurements that we look for each year as we usher in the pre-draft process here in 2023. We're going to be taking a look at some offensive players to watch in Mobile on today's episode, dishing out our end-of-season grades for the running back group for the Seahawks and much more. It's a jam-packed episode that is brought your way by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Now for your lead story here on our Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This time of year, it's not uncommon for winning football teams to lose coaches off of their staff. And to this point, the Seahawks have been lucky that luck, though, may be running out as the coaching carousel appears to have taken a pit stop in Seattle with two key assistants now being interviewed for premium coordinator positions by other teams around the league. Most notably, Rob, Dave Canales, the quarterback coach for the Seahawks. He's been with the organization since Pete Carroll arrived in 2010. He's the longest tenured assistant on Carroll's staff. He's been a receivers coach. He has been a passing game coordinator, quarterback coach currently. He's done a number of different things climbing the ladder. And now he's got a second interview to replace Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator with the Ravens, teaming him up with Lamar Jackson. You can see why he'd be excited about that opportunity. But obviously, from the Seahawks standpoint, after seeing what he did with Geno Smith this year, uh, that would be a substantial loss for their offensive coaching staff. It would be a loss. Um, and not only what uh, Dave Canales was able to do with Geno Smith this past year, what he did with Russell Wilson previously and what he did it back at USC. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll brought him in, him in uh, Dave Canales, from uh, a Juco College, actually, to coach at USC. And uh, Dave Canales has been has done a heck of a job since that time. So this would be a significant loss. Um, this would be an upgrade for him. Um, the Baltimore Ravens would be interviewing him for that offensive coordinator position. So clearly this would be an upgrade from the, the myriad of, of jobs and responsibilities that he has held with the Seahawks. As you said, Corbin, most recently now being the quarterback coach. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams out there who are going to be really interested uh, to kind of just pick the brains of, of Canales and some of the rest of Seattle's offensive coaches and, and scouts to kind of see what was the, the magic potion that somebody used that had figured out Geno Smith and got him playing at the level that he did. And I, I think that Canales would, would make an awful lot of sense for the Baltimore Ravens. As you said, obviously, they have a really talented quarterback that they've had. It remains to be seen if Lamar Jackson is going to be the, the, the future of that franchise. I expect that it will be. And we saw the way that Geno Smith went from being a, a backup, at least perceived backup quarterback in the NFL, to the most accurate quarterback in the league. And Lamar Jackson, who is dynamic of a talent as he is, obviously, 
downfield accuracy, short to inter, short to middle level uh, kind of decision making ha- has always been some of the bugaboos that have followed him since college. So it makes sense that the, the Baltimore Ravens would be looking at Canales. Um, it would be a loss to the Seahawks. Um, and so I hope I'm sure that Pete Carroll is got basically back his recruiting hat back on and is having those conversations as we speak, trying to convince one of his buddies to to remain uh, alongside of him. And I don't even know if that's going on because Pete Carroll has always wanted his assistant coaches to get better opportunities elsewhere. And he has talked to media about that numerous times. Obviously, he doesn't want him to leave, but at the same token, you don't want to stop professional progress. And becoming an offensive coordinator for the first time clearly would be a major step forward for Dave Canales. And you can look at this from two perspectives if you're the Ravens. Obviously, Canales has not been an offensive coordinator at a level higher than a high school, which he did his first couple of years as a coach back in 2003 and 2004. But on the flip side, he's been a receivers coach for eight years in the NFL. He was a passing game coordinator for several years for Seattle. So he has been involved in the game planning for multiple seasons with multiple coordinators, Brian Schottenheimer first and now with Shane Waldron. And so it feels like this would be a natural step up for him now with all the different hats that he's worn in Seattle. And he's only 41 years old, still a very young coach. This seems like the ideal fit for the Ravens. And so I would think that with this second interview, this shows that he is a front runner to get that job. And if he leaves, Seattle's got a couple options. Kerry Joseph is their assistant quarterback coach. He's been with the team since 2020. He's had three different jobs in Seattle. So he's kind of become a man of multiple hats too. They could stay in house and make him the head quarterback coach. Or they could go outside and look at other organizations this late in the coaching uh, carousel. That's usually difficult to do. At the same time, there's so many head coaching jobs that haven't been filled. So there's plenty of coaches out there for the Seahawks to consider if, indeed, Dave Canales leaves. And he may not be the only assistant that is wearing a different T-shirt for a different team next year on the sidelines. Sean Desai, we anticipated that this was going to happen. He's already interviewed with the Cleveland Browns but also now has interest from the Minnesota Vikings and the Miami Dolphins, who may or may not have Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator. There's been some mixed reports out there on what he's going to be doing moving forward. But Sean Desai has been in the mix with all three of those teams. Cleveland has hired their guy, but Desai still is in the mix for a couple of other defensive coordinator positions. And as some of these other new head coaches get hired, he might get some other opportunities here to land on his feet as a defensive coordinator for the second time after serving that gig with the Bears two years ago. Yeah, and similar similar kind of thing here. I mean, again, when you look at what that Sean Desai was able to do, and not just him, but the rest of Seattle's coaches, obviously, as well. But when you draft a cornerback in the fifth round, and then he goes to become, at minimum, one of the three uh, finalists for defensive MVP in Tariq Woolen, when you have a revolving door at the safety position, then you're going to have a, a great deal of interest in what Sean Desai was able to help the Seahawks do in the secondary that a year ago, of course, Corbin was historically one of the NFL's worst and and the turnaround just like we saw on the offensive side of the ball there with Dave Canales and Geno Smith at the quarterback position the turnaround in Seattle's secondary has was been absolutely spectacular and Sean Desai has only been in Seattle on the other hand for a year unlike Canales again who's been hitched with uh Carroll for an awful long time now um you know so that to me is going to be kind of fascinating because there's not necessarily 
the the loyalty factor that Canales and Carroll may have with each other, um, that the Seahawks may have um, with Sean Desai. And and maybe there is. Maybe Desai is absolutely beloved in, in that room and, and they want him back. I assume that is the case considering how successful they were. But at the same time, it's hard to argue that he would be the same caliber of loss, even though I think he's a terrific coach. At the same time, he's only been again with Seattle for a year. So you don't really know what you'd be losing if you were, in fact, to lose him. And, and that's one of the things I would kind of go back to you for just a moment on the canalis. It's I, I do think that he is an excellent candidate for the Baltimore Ravens and for any team that is looking to develop quarterbacks. Um, I think that what he's done speaks for itself. At the same time, from what I've been hearing, Corbin, it, it sounds like there are, you know, almost a dozen candidates for the Baltimore Ravens, at least eight or nine candidates for the Baltimore Ravens. So it remains to be seen if the Seahawks are going to wind up losing either one of these two players, but both of them are bright young coaches who have a great deal of, of upside. And obviously as a follower of the Seahawks and, and all of our listeners, they're going to certainly be wanting to get these young bright minded uh, coaches back in Seattle, just because of the success that they've already shown they can lead their team to do. I would think right now Canales probably is the one that's closer to landing a job just because Desai has interviewed multiple places and two of them already look to be filled if Fangio takes that job in Miami. There are going to be some other head coaching vacancies that are filled, and those coaches probably already have their staffs in place. Maybe Desai is being vetted for one of those positions. We don't know that at this point, but it would be a big development for the Seahawks if they can get out of this coaching carousel without losing any of these young assistants like Dave Canales and Sean Desai. We'll see what happens, but the carousel is spinning wildly, and we're starting to finally see the dominoes fall with head coaches being hired, including Sean Payton now going to the Denver Broncos, the team of Russell Wilson. All these different moves are going to start unfolding quickly, which means a lot of other assistant coaches are going to fill up quickly. So we should have more clarity here on who's going to return to Pete Carroll's staff in 2023 in the near future. Coming up next, it is Senior Bowl Week in Mobile, the top seniors in America duking it out trying to battle for draft position and earn themselves a few bucks this week in the All-Star Showcase. Which offensive players should Seahawks fans be paying close attention to this week? Rob and I are going to dish out our Fab Five on the offensive side of the ball coming up next year on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. This episode is brought your way by Blue Nile. Valentine's Day is coming up, which means romance is in the air more than usual. I don't need to tell you all the lovebirds out there, that you probably had your date plans on the calendar for weeks, but if you found the perfect Valentine's gift yet, whether you're celebrating this day of romance or whether you're ready to pop the question, you can find jewelry as unique as she is with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. At BlueNile.com, you can find the perfect piece of jewelry for life's special moments or even create the custom engagement ring of her dreams. Their simple online tools let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. And Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft that perfect piece to your specifications. Blue Nile provides expert guidance, in-depth educational materials, and unique online tools that place you in control so you can forget the usual hassles of the jewelry shopping process and focus on romance. allows you to diamond against one of theirs blue nile can even meet or beat their price every order is insured and arrives quickly in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside shipping is free and so are the returns right now you can save up to 50 percent at blue nile.com that's blue nile.com for up to 50 percent off blue nile.com you're listening to the tuesday edition of locked on seahawks i'm your host corbin smith glad to be joined as always 
by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether it's your first time listening to the podcast or a regular listener. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that covered the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Again, check it out. Locked On NFL Draft nightly live shows coming up from the Senior Bowl, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Speaking of the Senior Bowl, Rob, it's a perfect segue because this is one of our favorite weeks of the year. Unfortunately, neither one of us are actually in attendance this year to watch the prospects at the Senior Bowl, but that doesn't mean that we are not paying attention and we haven't done our homework looking at some of the prospects that are participating in the All-Star Showcase this week. So we're going to be dishing out our Fab Five. Today we'll be looking at offense. Tomorrow we'll be looking on the defensive side of the football at five players apiece that we're really excited about. And I know that you want to talk offensive line going into this process because You and I would both agree that while the Seahawks have their tackles in place after drafting Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas a year ago, the interior offensive line, there are plenty of questions and there look to be some intriguing talents at the center and guard positions that are participating in Mobile. Yeah, there absolutely are, Corbin. And as you said, uh, neither one of us are in Mobile. Um, That's unusual for me. Uh, you know, since the turn of the century, way back in year 2000, I have been to Mobile, Alabama to watch the Senior Bowl 20 times. And so this is very unusual for me not to be there. Um, Jim Nagy and the Senior Bowl staff, I hope that you guys are having a wonderful time. Uh, I miss the different areas to kind of congregate among Mobile. And so, uh, I, again, I... I, I just have different expectations of me this year um, now as a scout with the BC Lions, which I'm very proud of, but I'm not going to be obviously at the Senior Bowl this year. And again, that is a, a a very different thing for me. But moving on, as you said, Corbin, I, I still have the ability, of course, to watch the practices. Um, I'm still going to be evaluating all of those players, going to be evaluating some other players this year as well. And as you said, we, we do kind of have a Fab Five. Uh, kind of prospects that I think specifically fit with the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, I I would be, frankly, I would be in Mobile if I thought there was any chance at all that the Seahawks would use their number five overall pick on one of these prospects that are going to be playing this senior bowl. That's not going to happen. There is a chance that number 20 or some of those second or third or fourth round picks may come from the senior bowl. That certainly has been the past uh, with John Scheider and Pete Carroll. And so that's why we got to talk about it. But again, I don't think that you have to worry about Seattle's number their first selection currently number five and perhaps even number 20 overall being selected from one of these players that's there in mobile if i was to break down the five players that i'm most intrigued by uh, as you said corbin i mean i'm most intrigued by the offensive line um and some of the other positions of concern for seattle on offense what you will not see on my list is the quarterback um i am intrigued by a couple of quarterbacks who are mobile Hendon Hooker is injured, unfortunately. Jay Kaner is a prospect that I feel is very much a day three guy. I'm looking at guys who are going to be able to come in and contribute immediately. And so Steve Avila, the guard from TCU, has also played some center 
Um, you just kind of looking at him, I think that center is a position of concern, obviously, for the Seahawks. It's also a position of strength in this year's Senior Bowl. Avila has played both guard and center. I, I want to see him perform in both ways. That He played for TCU. Sonny Dykes is the head coach. That's a lot of passing game. And so I want to see how he acclimates to a little bit more of a pro-style offense. John Michael Schmitz. The viewed by a lot of people as the number one center in this draft class, I am among them. I want to see how he's able to handle the athletes that he is going to see uh, in this opportunity. Um, at the running back position, everybody talks about Bijan Robinson, the Texas back. His backup, Rashawn Johnson, is a stud. I mean, he he would be the starter on virtually every other college football team. And so he is going to be an absolute star um, in, in this process. I think it's going to be very successful in the NFL. He has the size, the the ability as a receiver on the backfield, that kind of special teams, not only experience, but mentality that the Seahawks have prioritized as well. So to me, it's two centers or running back. There's a couple of wide receivers I'm eager to talk about as well, Corbin, but I feel like I've stolen the mic here for a couple of minutes. I want to switch back over to you and let you introduce some of the players that you're really excited about as well. Yeah, we'll get to some receivers because I've got one on my list. But like you, I'm most excited to talk about offensive linemen. Now, John Michael Schmitz, I've talked about like 10 podcasts already since the season ended. And so I'm with you. He is my number one center. I think he's got a chance this week to play himself into the first round discussion if he's not already there. And for those listening to the show that are thinking centers don't go in the first round, well, Tyler Linderbaum was picked last year in the first round from Iowa, another Big Ten center. So it absolutely could happen, especially with him looking like he's probably going to be the number one center in this class. There's several teams that could use one, including the Seahawks. And so I'm excited about it. But as far as a few other offensive linemen that now have piqued my interest going into this process, Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. And I'm going to say this right now, Rob, just because – uh, you know, sometimes my former background, as the things that I did before I covered the NFL, I couldn't help but I noticed the picture on Twitter of this guy and what he looked like when he first got to North Dakota State and what he looks like now. He was a 221-pound tight end when he went to North Dakota State. Now he's a 300-plus-pound offensive lineman. He's missing teeth in the front. He has long, blonde locks. He looks like he should be showcased on one of those Vikings TV shows yep. instead of playing in the NFL. But I love the way that he plays the game. And you can see that background as a tight end, the athleticism from him. He's played tackle. I anticipate he's going to get some looks at guard and center this week as well. He's got a lot of versatility. I don't think he's a tackle the next level. I think he's playing the interior, but this guy plays with nastiness. He's a really good athlete. I think he's going to test well when we get to that point in the offseason. And Mock is a player that is getting a lot of first-round buzz from experts because of that versatility. I'm interested to see how he holds up this week. We've already seen some North Dakota State players do really well in the Senior Bowl in recent seasons. Christian Watson last year at the receiver position. I think he's a guy to keep a very close eye on. And then sticking with the interior offensive line, Osiris Torrance. You want to talk about a man that has his own orbit. Six foot four and a half. They listed him at 347 on Florida's program. He weighed in at 337 today. So he's svelte, as Pete Carroll likes to say it. He's a little bit leaner than we've seen, but this guy is a mauler. And his biggest detriment is his technique. It gets away from him sometimes. You'll he'll catch himself leaning, trying to get downhill too much. But when his technique is on point, 
This guy is a road grader. He's surprisingly nimble in the zone run game too. His footwork does catch up with him in pass protection. So I think if they could get him to 330 or even 325 range, I think that would be the ideal weight for him. 347 is too big for my liking, but this is a guy that is going to be great for a team that wants to ground and pound the football. I'm really excited to see what he does this week, particularly in the game. And he might be a guard that has a chance to be an early second round pick if he has an impressive pre-draft process, maybe even sneak to the end of the first. But right now I'm thinking he's probably a second rounder and I'm really excited about him. You had a running back. I've got one as well. Chase Brown from Illinois. Some might say that doesn't fit Seattle's prototype because he's only 200 pounds. Well, Travis Homer was 200 pounds coming out of Miami, and this kid, quite frankly, is a better running back than what Travis Homer was. Over 1,600 rushing yards this year for the Fighting Illini. He had career highs in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns, too. He's made improvements in pass protection. He's tougher than you expect running between the tackles. He's a former track star, so he's got track speed. This would be a fun guy to develop as your third down back to go as a compliment with Ken Walker the third. No, he, he absolutely would. I mean, Chase Brown's production was a big reason why Illinois was, you know, one of the real breakout surprise teams of all of college football. You know, for those of you who are listening to our podcast here in the Seahawks and you, you feel so good about yourselves. I mean, the Seahawks, as we just talked about, I mean, some of their assistant coaches might get poached because how well that their players perform this year and kind of surprise people, um, you know, the same thing with Illinois here. So I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I'm going to switch over to the wide receiver position. There's a couple of receivers there who to me are, are really intriguing for vastly different reasons. One, a lot of Pacific Northwest fans are going to be very, very familiar with Puka Nakua, um, who finished his career at BYU, began his career at the University of Washington, at least began his college career, I guess I should say. This kid just plays with a different level of physicality than most receivers. He's very quick, but yet once the ball gets in his hands, there are some shades of Debo Samuel. And I, I say that, and, and right off the bat, people go crazy once you say the name Debo Samuel because he is so physical after the catch. And Puka, there's not a receiver in the league who matches the physicality that that Debo Samuel offers. But still, that's kind of similar to what Puka Nakua does in that he's physical, he's quick, he has good speed, he has good ball skills, he's a good football player. He is a guy that I think is likely to get drafted somewhere in the middle rounds. He's at the Senior Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he winds up having a pretty splashy week this year. And then you mentioned the fact with Chase Brown as, as a former track athlete. Well, I got one for you. Chevis, Andre Chevis from Princeton. Um, an Ivy League guy. And we know, of course, the Seahawks are kind of feeling themselves right now. They've got to be with, with the way that Tariq Woolen, you know, absolutely blew up. They Everybody knew that what a fantastic athlete he was, you know, at the combine. He, he proved it in, in numbers. He proved it. And yet everybody still, he winds up dropping to the fifth round and the Seahawks now feel like they are just smarter than everybody else. Well, the same kind of thing here with Yashevis, the, the wide receiver from Princeton. I, I, I say wide receiver. 
the reason why he is so uh, productive is because the athletic ability that he showed on on the, the track and field range. I mean, he had the fastest ever 60 meter time, 6.71 seconds in last year's 2022 NCAA Indoor Championships. He led the Ivy League this past season with 66 catches for 943 yards and seven touchdowns last year. Um, Ivy League is not a league where you necessarily see a great deal of passing, but yet this guy dominated with pure athletic ability. We have seen elite athletes come into the Senior Bowl and absolutely be spectacular and really develop a name for themselves. We know with Pete Carroll that he always prioritizes these type of, of exp you know, explosive athletes. Um, and, and so to me, Yashevis is one that I think that the Seahawks at the wide receiver position, his straight line speed, his big playability, and the toughness of Nakua are two wide receivers that I think the Seahawks should be paying attention to as well. The guy that I'm going to talk about, I think, is a little bit of a blend of the two skill sets that you just talked about, and that is Rasheed Rice coming from SMU. And you want to talk about a player that was productive, almost 100 receptions this past season for the Mustangs. He's six foot three, 205 pounds. He can beat you downfield. He can create after the catch. He can break tackles. He can make guys miss. He can run routes from the outside as well as the inside. He's had a few issues with drops in his college career, but there aren't a lot of weaknesses in this guy's game. And even though he's coming from not one of your elite power five programs, he is a player that I've been hearing some grumblings out there that he may have a chance to sneak into the early secondary late first with a really good senior bowl and pre-draft process. If he tests well, which I anticipated he's going to, I mean, this guy's got the size, he's got the length, he's got the catching ability, the downfield explosiveness he is one of the fun, really fun receiver prospects in this draft. And there's quite a few explosive athletes in the senior bowl at the receiver position. But this might be the guy that I'm most excited about when you look at the complete package coming from SMU to the NFL. And the last guy I'm going to hit on real quick, another Pacific Northwest guy at the tight end position, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. Not a guy that has the gaudy numbers like we just saw with Rasheed Rice. He only had 11 catches last year. For Oregon State. So this is more of a projection, Rob, than even most of these guys are. But he's 250 pounds. And at watching the film, I see a guy that can win down the seam. He can create separation on crossing routes. He's a capable blocker. I look at a guy that didn't get a chance to fulfill his potential at Oregon State. Some of it's been injuries. Some of it's just been the type of offense they run. But I think this could be a classic example of a guy that's a much better NFL player than college player. And he's got a chance to make a lot of money this week at the senior rule. Seattle doesn't necessarily need tight ends, but Will Disley's injury history. No offense, only got one year left in his contract. Parkinson only has one year left in his contract. Sometimes you got to be thinking a year ahead. This would be a fun player to develop in an already good tight end group that could be a big factor down the road for this football team. Coming up next, we're going to continue our end of season report guard going back to offense. Walker Company fair this year. What went right? What went wrong? We're going to recap the running back position for 2022 coming up next year on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. 
This episode is brought your way by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. If you're like me and you're looking forward to the big game, I'm leaning towards taking a big swing with Travis Kelsey as my MVP pick at plus 1,200. If you want to make that type of a bet, the FanDuel Sports app is safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad as always to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Don't forget to check out from Locked On NFL Draft. They are heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that covered the NFL's next generation in college and find out which draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. All right, continuing our end-of-season report card, we've looked at safeties, corners, and receivers to this point. We're going to stay with the skill positions, going back to the offensive side of the football. Everybody knows that Pete Carroll wants to run the football, and at times this year, the Seahawks were able to get back to that identity. There was a little bit of a slump in the second half where the Seahawks weren't winning very many games, and a big part of that was the running game became ineffective. But at the same time, K-9, Ken Walker III became just the second rookie running back in franchise history to eclipse 1,000 rushing yards. And so there's a lot to like about how this running running back group performed this year, even with some of the injuries that they had to deal with. Yeah, I, I had to think a little bit about the grade that I wanted to give Seattle's running backs because I think that you you have to look at the way that Rashad Penny kind of came out of the gates and uh, you know and feel like hey that, that could be an A but at the same time how do you give an A for a player that obviously wasn't very reliable and then when you have Ken Walker the third as you mentioned just the second. Uh, running back in Seahawks history as a rookie to eclipse a thousand yards. And again, how does he did not get an A, but that you had that middle of the season slump, that transition between Penny to Ken Walker, the third. Um, obviously there were some, some issues along the way um, there in, in terms of, you know, whether it be just not being able to run the ball effectively, whether it being issues in pass protection or drops um, out of the back, whatever the case might be, I just have a hard time giving this team the A or the even the A minus that I think that some might think that we should, considering how well that the Seahawks run game dominated at times this season. I mean, they were able to just kind of lean on that to win some football games. At the same time, there were also an awful lot of games where Seattle's running game was terrible. You would think, well, they were failing. I think that it's got to be somewhere in the middle. I, I think that when you, when you look at this club and the fact that you do have two important backs that are going to be free agents next season, the aforementioned Rashad Penny, as well as Travis Homer, um, I, I think that you got to kind of give every player their, their own individual grade. For me with Rashad Penny, well, I would – 
argue that maybe you should give the Seahawks overall running back group a, a B grade. I think with Rashad Penning, again, you got to kind of go with that B minus to C plus kind of a grade um, just because when he is on the field, he's spectacular. But my goodness, he can never stay on the field. So how do you give him that high of a grade? Ken Walker is absolutely spectacular. I think that he boosts the so-called GPA for the running back room a little bit. But at the same time, you do worry, is he going to be able to kind of continue to have this effectiveness moving forward? Um, or is he truly the bell cow kind of back that, that really can get, you know take this whole team and just kind of move forward? You know, I'm, I'm really interested to kind of see how that goes. So I, I think that he's probably a minus at that point. But then you got DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, uh, Gawa Igwe Buque, uh, the, the rest of Seattle's running back group. I mean, I'd throw in fullback Nick Ballore there. And I think that you're still struggling with that C. So again, I'm going to give this group an overall B grade. I think that they're critically important to Seattle's success um, on the offensive side of the ball. I think that their production is one of the reasons why Geno Smith was as good as he was this year. Uh, I think that it absolutely was a huge help for them. I also think, again, because you have the two free agents, as we talked about before with Penning and Homer, that this could be a group. If there's a reason why you and I both picked a running back to watch a moment ago from the senior bowl. So I, I think it's a B, but I think if the Seahawks want to advance past the first round of the playoffs, then this position has to be higher than a B. Yeah. I think the biggest issue here is what has been the biggest problem for the last four or five years. It has been the lack of availability. It's been the injuries, the durability, any way you want to term it, injuries have been a major problem for the Seahawks. Rashad Penny, when healthy, has been a top five back, at least in terms of running the football. With his home run hitting ability, we saw it those first five games, even with the offensive line starting the season with three new stars and gelling, and they had some issues with inconsistencies. But his ability to take the top off the defense, once he gets to the second level, it was evident, particularly the win over the Lions, his ability to just take a what looks like a two-yard carry and then suddenly be outrunning corners and safeties and going 50 yards for a touchdown. There are very few backs in the league that can do that, especially at his size. But he missed the last 12 games because, as you said, he cannot seem to find a way to stay on the field for them five or six games at a time before another injury hits. And that has been the tale of his entire career. Travis Homer spent two different stints on injured reserve. He's missed almost 20 games the last two seasons. So his durability has not been there. And quite frankly, this year when he did play, he was not as reliable. He had that critical fumble in the loss to the 49ers in week 15. His pass protection was not as crisp as what we saw in his first couple seasons either. And so his future is in question going into free agency. Is that a player you bring back or you to draft somebody that's similar or better and you can have that player under contract on a rookie deal for four years? And so I think there are a lot of question marks for this position group. I would agree with you. I would give it a B just because of the brilliance of Ken Walker III. And I thought DJ Dallas late in the season emerged as that complimentary back. He had over 120 rushing yards in the last five games. He averaged more than five yards per carry in the season. We saw him improve in pass protection. He was valuable as a receiver at times, a really good special teams player. So I thought he had a really solid season in that backup role, and he's going to be under contract next year. So he's going to be in the mix again. 
you like him with Ken Walker the third. They need to add some more explosiveness to this group. And as we just mentioned, two guys at the Senior Bowl could be candidates. This is a very good running back class. So there's a chance on day three the Seahawks can get that complimentary weapon to put with Ken Walker the third that has some third down ability. That's really the big question mark here. You believe Ken Walker the third is going to be your bell cow, but who's going to be that third down back? Maybe DJ Dallas is that guy next year. But as good as DJ played, I just don't know that he has the explosiveness that they're looking for to be that third down back. He's a workman-like guy that probably is better suited to be a between-the-tackles runner. And he has the odd skill set where he's really good as a receiver, too, with that short kind of squatty body type. He has value to this football team. But it just feels like they could really enhance this offense if they had a dynamic third down back. And I just don't know that he checks off that box. They need to add somebody, most likely through the draft, that can fill that void. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I think that they do need to add another back uh, to this room next year. And I, you know, th- there's a part of me that, whose heart just breaks when every time you mention Rashad Penny, because I think that he could be that guy. I just think that the Seahawks have got to be really concerned about, you know, putting all their eggs in that card again. Um, because I do think that, again, it, it's just been proven over and over again for Pete Carroll that he is going to run the football so darn much that his backs are going to break down. So you have to have a dynamic number two, not just an okay number two, the way that it it runs in some NFL teams. You know, you really have to have a very good player. And and I'm not sure that DJ Dallas, as good as he is, there's no question I think that he should be part of Seattle's plans next year. I don't know that he's that dynamic number two. I mentioned Rashawn Johnson and Corbo, and you said a moment ago that you think that this is a position that Seattle may consider a third round pick or a third day pick. I would not be surprised at all if this team went right back to using another second-day pick on this position because, as you mentioned, the running back talent is that good. And and as I mentioned before, Rashawn Johnson from Texas, to me, he is my favorite of the the bigger backs. And there are some very good ones. There's a lot of candidates out there. But if you're looking at one of the top guys, Rashawn Johnson from Texas, again, is one of the guys I really like. If you're looking for another guy, as as you mentioned, that kind of air back, that third down back, Tyje Spears from Tulane, also at the Senior Bowl. Huge fan, huge fan. Yeah, pretty dynamic guy. And, of course, Pete Carroll, former USC coach, Tulane beat USC uh, here in the bowl game. It was a shocker. Um, and Spears was dynamic. So I assure you, Pete Carroll knows who Spears is at, at this point. So to me, again, I, I just think that this is going to be a really fun position to evaluate moving forward because I think the Seahawks have some big plans at the running back. And I don't know that a lot of people would think that considering the success of Ken Walker III this year. They could bring back Rashad Penny at a cheap price, and then there wouldn't be any risk, really. I don't think anybody else is going to be rushing to throw money at him after another injury. But that, even if they do that, they need to draft a running back because he hasn't been a third down back anyway. They need to add a third down back that's a dynamic playmaker. You just threw out a couple of names. Spears is one that I love. Didn't mention him last quarter, but he would be a really fun day three selection out of Tulane that could fit that bill. A guy that can catch the ball, has some pass protection ability, really a do-it-all back. There's a lot of guys in this class that check off all those boxes. It's a very deep running back class. So Seattle's going to have options, but I do think that this is a position you and I agree that isn't as set in stone behind Ken Walker III as maybe some people realize with the free agents they've got, the injury issues they've had. They need to retool the depth chart at this position. And I expect a draft pick is going to be used, maybe even, as you mentioned, on day two to further address 
this backfield once we get to April. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Don't forget to check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to continue our Senior Bowl coverage with our Fab Five on defense. Ten pl- Ten players total. We'll be looking at five offensive players, five defensive players, or five defensive players for both of us on tomorrow's show and much more. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks.